The text today is in Luke chapter 4 as we continue our study on the life of Christ. In the book of Luke, we're in chapter 4 again for our text today, Luke's Gospel, chapter number 4. When I used to live on my Uncle Ad's farm, it was right on the border of Connecticut. And the little town of Sharon, Connecticut, was on one side of us. And Millerton, New York, was on the other side of us. And these were basically little farming communities. There was no manufacturing around, no big business, just farms and little stores and gas stations. Little rural communities where everybody knew all their neighbors. People were polite and pleasant. It was a great place to live. And until the weekend rolled around, then something happened. Things changed. And uh, at the local restaurant on a weekend, you'd hear people complaining to the waitress. And at the grocery store, you'd hear someone arguing with a cashier on a weekend. And if you stopped at the red light too long, somebody would blow their horn behind you on the weekend. So what made these pleasant places so nice all week and so annoying on the weekend? Everybody there said it was the city people. (laughs) On the weekend, people drove up from New York City, spend the weekend in the country. Uh, They were rude. They were obnoxious, impatient, and loud. And in those nice towns, the city people stood out like sore thumbs. Now, down in New York City, everybody behaved that way all week long. So they came to the country to get away from the stresses of the city. But the problem was they brought New York City with them. And the local merchants didn't mind their money, uh, but uh, they weren't fond of their company. And the city people thought that the traffic and the crowds in New York City were what was making the stress. But I'm pretty sure it was the people themselves that were the source of all that loud, rude, obnoxious behavior. And people ask me, have you ever been to New York City? I say, no, no thanks. No thanks. I'm glad to stay right here. New York City is a place I'd like to avoid. And uh, loud, rude, obnoxious is a place I'd rather not go. So in our text today, we find a place that was not a good place to visit. As a matter of fact, I guess you could say they were rude and obnoxious. And when you hear what they did, I'm sure you'll say, boy, I'd never want to go visit that place. Now, we've been studying the life of Jesus from the book of Luke. And we saw his amazing birth in Bethlehem. His 12-year-old experience in Jerusalem. His baptism in the Jordan River, his temptation in the wilderness of Judea. And now Jesus has entered those three and a half years when he traveled and preached and taught all over Israel. 
And he's quickly becoming well known. All right, Luke chapter 4, we begin at verse number 14. Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee, and there went out a fame of him through all the region round about, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. He started in a little town called Cana, where he attended a wedding, and then on to other towns, and especially Capernaum, a little town on the Sea of Galilee. But now he's going to take a trip back home, verse number 16. He came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. After being born in Bethlehem, you recall that Joseph was told to escape to Egypt to flee King Herod's attempt on Jesus' life. And after King Herod died, Joseph came back to Israel and returned to his old hometown of Nazareth. And there Joseph and Mary lived and worked and raised their family. And so it was that Jesus grew up in the town of Nazareth. And 30-year gap that we see in the Bible in Jesus' life story was spent growing up in Nazareth. Joseph was a carpenter. And I'm sure Jesus, as the oldest son, would become Joseph's apprentice. Sometime after Joseph was 12 and before he was 30 years old, Joseph had died, which left Jesus as the head of the family and the main breadwinner for his widowed mother, Mary. Now, always remember this when you think about Jesus. Jesus never sinned. So he grew up polite, helpful, ambitious, accommodating, a pleasant young man. There was never the foolishness of childhood in Jesus. There was never the rebellion of teenage in Jesus, but instead a respectful and an easygoing way that would make him the favorite among all the young people of Nazareth. And so it was, Jesus regularly attended the synagogue at Nazareth, or he went to their church. And there he was especially well loved because he showed such interest in the services. And the main rabbi at that synagogue must have become very fond of Jesus so that Jesus was given a very special privilege. Jesus became a reader in the service each Sabbath day. Now in a normal Sabbath day service at a Jewish synagogue, there would be seven different speakers. It would be a rabbi and a Levite. Any visiting dignitaries could come. And, and then there was a reader, someone who would be given a scroll from which they would open it up and read a passage of Scripture. And Jesus was often, if not always, the reader of Scripture in the synagogue at Nazareth. He spoke in synagogue later all over Galilee, but only in Nazareth did he ever read the scripture text for today, for that day. It apparently was a duty he earned after many good years of good behavior growing up in Nazareth. 30 years of age was considered in Jewish culture 
to be the age of full manhood. So Jesus stayed in Nazareth caring for his mother until he was 30. At 30, he left town to begin his ministry. And when we see him coming back to Nazareth, he had only been gone a couple of months. So this is the story of what happened when Jesus came back home. Verse number 17. There was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them which are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, this day is the scripture fulfilled in your ears. In the synagogue, you always stood when scripture was read. If you were a speaker... You sat down to speak. Jesus sat down, it says, and he spoke. He read the text from Isaiah standing up, and he sat down to speak. And what a sermon that must have been. I'll tell you what, a good sermon uh, needs to be based on a good text. And Jesus hit a home run. (laughs) A perfect passage of scripture for his text. Taken from the book of Isaiah, you'll find it in chapter 61 there. God has anointed me, as he begins to explain the text. God has anointed me, that has given me a special ability and power to preach the gospel to the poor. And Jesus loved, he referred to it often, he loved uh, that part of the verse poor people struggling to survive never able to rise above their lot in life downtrodden with no hope losers in life's lottery ignored and abused by the rich and powerful that's where Jesus starts with poor people with no hope Then he says brokenhearted people, people who have lost their loved ones, people overwhelmed with the calamities that life sometimes have. He come to talk to them. And then he says, I come to talk to captives, people who are not free to do what they wish, but were bound to a master. And he said, I came to talk to blind people who had no ability to see the world around them. And he said, I came today to talk to bruised people, wounded by life, limited by their wounds. And so Jesus that morning preached to helpless, depressed, sad, restricted people, crushed by life's circumstance. And he said, I've come to help you. What a great sermon. (laughs) I come to lift you up. I come to free you, to make you see and to give you hope. And then he added on this wonderful phrase, 
I want you to know this is the acceptable year of the Lord. Now that refers to an Old Testament concept called the year of Jubilee. And in the Old Testament they had something every 50 years, the year of Jubilee, where your debts could be forgiven, the land went back to the original owners, slaves were set free, and that took place every 50 years. Jesus said that morning, I come to help you and to save you and to bring here my special message and here is my message. It starts today. (laughs) It starts today. Right now, here in Nazareth, here in this synagogue, this very day you can be saved and we can start right now. You don't have to wait 50 years. Jesus said we can do this today. What a sermon. <laughs> what a wonderful sermon to preach to the people Jesus grew up with and knew personally, his friends, his neighbors, his companions. I'm anointed with a liberating power to set you free, and we can do it today. A masterful sermon. And it says they listened with wide eyes, amazement. As his familiar voice rang out those thrilling words in the synagogue of Nazareth that day. <clears throat> but this is Nazareth. It's a city on one of the important trade routes. And people pass through Nazareth and they trade and they go on. Because Nazareth has a reputation. It was Nathaniel who would become a disciple of Jesus who put words to Nazareth's reputation when he said this, can anything good come out of Nazareth? The city of Nazareth had a reputation not for noble behavior, not for useful business practices, not for accommodating ways, but for what? Bad attitude. Well, can anything good come out of Nazareth? My friends, you will no doubt say to me, Eric, Jesus came out of Nazareth. Yeah. So let's see what they do to Jesus. Verse 22. All bear him witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is not this Joseph's son? As they listened that day, they did two things. First thing, it says they wondered, where did he get these kind of words? How did he ever learn to talk like that? He's Joseph's son, the son of a carpenter. Number two, they came to a conclusion. And what they decided that day, he's no rabbi. He's the son of Joseph. He's a carpenter. We heard what he did, which were called miracles in other town. But to us here, he's the son of a carpenter. 
Now the thing about Jesus is that he can read people's minds. <laughs> and he can sense exactly what they're thinking. The Bible says he knew what was in men's hearts. My friends, you're in trouble when the preacher's a mind reader. <laughs> you got a problem when the preacher can read your mind. Me, I can't. All I can look at is this is your face. Jesus could read their minds. Could see what was in their hearts. So he responds to their thoughts, not what they said, but to what they thought in their mind. Verse 23. He said unto them, You will surely say unto me this proverb, Physician, heal thyself. Whatsoever we heard done in Capernaum, do also here in thy country. Jesus said, what you're going to say to me is, physician, heal thyself. Or in other words, if a doctor goes around and he's got a hacking cough and a bad back and a bum leg, he say, if you're a real doctor, prove it. Heal yourself. I'm not going to go to the doctor that can hardly get around and he's hacking and coughing, right? If you're a real thing, if you're the doctor, prove it. And so to Jesus they're saying, if you are a real anointed preacher, prove it. Show us. This is your hometown. It's where you grew up. Make it your headquarters. Prove it right here at home. After all, to us, you're just the son of a carpenter. This is a funny thing. Out of all the things that Jesus was, one thing that he never was was the son of Joseph. So he's reading their minds again. Boy. He goes on, verse 24. said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you the truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. And unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, the city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elias the prophet, and none of them was cleansed, saving Naaman the Syrian. Now Jesus says, familiarity breeds contempt. Prophets have never been accepted in their own hometown. He says in Elijah's day, Elijah the prophet, there was three and a half years of drought that caused a famine, a great famine, which spread all through Israel. But Elijah blessed the widow's barrel of meal across Israel's border into Sidon, another country. He said to the lady, feed me out of the barrel and 
I'll take care of you. And that barrel, it said, never went empty as long as he was there. But that was in a foreign country. And in Elisha's time, leprosy was all over Israel. There were lots of lepers. But the only leper Elisha healed was Naaman. And he was from Syria, across the border. Or in other words, Jesus said, if you don't believe in me, I will go to someone that does. Well, Jesus hit the nail on the head that time. Exactly the problem. Of course, when he can look into your heart, he knows what the problem is. If you want proof that nothing good can come out of Nazareth, watch this, verse 28. And they all heard in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city, led him to the brow of the hill wherein their city was built that they might cast him down headlong. Well, these people didn't say, oh, well, let's get up and go home. Never mind. Let's just all go home. No, no. They rose up in a rage of anger and they shoved him right out the door of the synagogue. And they said, that's not enough. And they pushed him down the street in front of them. The whole crowd shoving him and pushing him. And that wasn't enough. They, they pushed him and got so angry, uh, they pushed him through the gates of the city, outside the city. And when they got out there, that wasn't enough either. There's a cliff where the city of Nazareth was built. Well, throw him off the cliff. Screaming in rage, they push him towards the cliff. For 30 years, they watched him grow. He read the scriptures in their synagogue every week. He served them, built their houses fixed their furniture, and loved them. He came to offer them his saving grace and his help. And he said in those most wonderful words, we could do it today. We could do it today. And those hardened sinners says, you're nobody to us, and we'll prove it. We'll kill you, push you over the cliff. And so it was written of Jesus, he came unto his own. And his own received him not. It was written, the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And verse 30. But he passing through the midst of them went his way. Jesus had the ability to keep people from recognizing them. That is, to go inside your mind and where you have stored recognition, he could shut that off. He did it two other times. He did it once in Jerusalem when they wanted to stone him there. He walked through the crowd, disappeared out of sight. And once on the road to Emmaus when he wanted to teach them. They couldn't recognize him. And so he moved unnoticed 
through the people he grew up with in that angry crowd, and he just walked away. No doubt saddened by the treatment that he got in his own bad-tempered hometown. We never read that he went back there ever again. But what a shame to waste such a wonderful sermon. My friends, it's not wasted. It's just as powerful here in East Shelby this morning as it was in Nazareth on that Sabbath day. Jesus is still anointed. He still has power. All those promises are fulfilled to the poor in spirit, downtrodden. Are you depressed this morning? He offers you a message of hope. To the brokenhearted, crushed by life's trials, he offers healing of the mind. To the captives, people addicted, held in some sort of bondage by their addiction, he offers freedom. To the spiritually blind, he offers new eyes to see the truth and a new point of view. To the wounded and bruised, he offers a balm. There is balm in Gilead that heals the sin-sick soul and makes the wounded whole. And right here in East Shelby, Jesus says, we can do it today. This, he says, is the acceptable year of the Lord. We can do it now. My Uncle Ed always told me there's no time like the present. Amen. Amen. Jesus said we could do it today. Yes, my friends, if you want any of those things for your spirit and for your heart, if you're brokenhearted and depressed, Jesus can still make the same offer he did to the people of Nazareth. We can do it today. And I guess all that remains is this. What's your opinion of Jesus? Is he your healing loving Savior? Or is he just another person who talks nice, but we don't quite believe what he says? My friends, take him at his word. His merciful offer to Nazareth still stands today. Believe in him. Trust in him with all your heart. Don't be like the people of Nazareth, that bad-tempered town. Let he shall be say, we believe. We believe. We bring our hearts to him that he can heal our wounds and open our eyes and give us hope and set us free and believe with all our hearts that he can do it today. Shall we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what you did that day. We're sorry it was such a thing. We're sorry for what they did. Lord, we don't ever want to do that. We want to believe who you are, accept it. And when these wonderful offers are made, we want to take full advantage of it. We want it today. We tell you we want it today. And so help us, Lord, that we might believe in you with all our hearts and know who you are, recognize you, And know that you're the Lord of glory who came down here.
to save us poor folks. We thank you for it. From the bottom of our hearts, we are grateful for what you do for us. We ask that you will bless us as we put our faith and confidence in you, that we might believe with all our hearts on this day, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Closing, I'd like you to turn your hymn books, if we will, to page number 205. Standing as we sing, page number 205. All the way my Savior leads me. Standing as we sing, 205. Page 205. <laughs> would be ready to receive the message that you have had for us this day, that this is the acceptable year of the Lord. Whatever you have, wherever you are bruised or crushed, wherever you are in bondage, Jesus Christ came to this earth to free us from all of those things, to give us forgiveness to change us inside in places and ways that we can never be changed, whether our own trying, whether we try our entire lives, we could never do what you can do inside of us. So we pray that you would come on this place, on these people in this place, that your spirit would work a mighty work in our hearts, 
free us and heal us. Forgive us this day. We just ask for a great power in this place and then to go and tell others about you, of the freedom that you bring. Lead us the way through our life. Protect us and watch over us and help us to know what is that beautiful uh, rock that springs forth, bringing us water. We are thankful for all these things. We ask for protection and care on all these people. Bring them back to this place and help them with all of their hurts this day. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.